the gospel to her. And I told her that because I love her. Amen. And that's what we're learning right now um, in service, loving God and loving people. And the two things in loving people is, one, you love them and you uh, help them when they're in the need. And number two, you preach the gospel to them. Amen. So I believe in faith that she received the Lord Jesus. All right. So I'm going to pray that for you guys. And I'm going to pray over you guys for that. And um, before that, I want to share the scripture, obviously, uh, Mark 11, 31. When Jesus is talking about the two greatest commandments. Um, two greatest commandments, he says, are one, love the love Lord your God with all your mind, body, soul, and strength. And number two is love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. So I'm going to pray that for you guys. Lord, I just thank you for the service and for this time. And I thank you for the vision. I pray that that will be all of our vision, that we would love God and we would love people. We love people so much that we would um, preach the gospel to them with truth and in grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, Metro Praise. How's everybody doing this morning? Amen. Glad to see you guys this morning. We're getting ready to worship the Lord. Amen. And love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hallelujah, Heavenly Father, God. I just thank you for every person in this place, Lord God, and I pray, Jesus, that you would break off chains, God, that you would begin to heal people, Lord God. I pray that in this place, Lord, that breakthrough would happen, Lord God. It's all about you, Jesus. We focus on you, God. We set our eyes, and we thank you, and all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, clap those hands. Come on. Hallelujah, Lord. Yes, you're good, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just lift up his name. Lift up his name. Come on. can do anything sing i can do all things because it's you who gives me strength nothing is impossible through you blind eyes are open yes lord strongholds are broken i am living by faith nothing is impossible come on on and sing before the Lord and dance before him. Hallelujah. There's freedom in that. Jesus, we lift your name high. We're going to sing through you again. Come on. Deep down, I 
begin to think of the things, the, the mountains in your life right now. And I want you to have that little mustard seed of faith, God says. If you have that little mustard seed of faith, that you can move mountains into the place. So I want you to lift your mountains before the Lord as we worship. Hallelujah. And we're going to sing, I believe.
We serve a God that is alive in this place. He deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. We des he deserves us to bow down before him. He deserves all the glory and all the honor. Come on, wake up this morning and give God some praise. Wake up this morning. Leave your troubles at the door. Leave it all behind and worship the God of heaven and the God of earth. He is alive in this place. He deserves your worship this morning.
on every heart, every hand raised. Sing that one more time. I'll stand. spirit God we rely solely on you we are dependent on you Holy Ghost come on you've been trying to live right on your own strength come on that's for somebody and he's saying not by mine not by your mind not by your own power but by his Holy Ghost come on if you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit this morning can you just raise your hands before him come on if you need the power of the Holy Ghost raise your hands this morning say Holy Ghost fill me Fill me, fill me, fill me, Holy Spirit. Can he start speaking in tongues right now and get filled with the power from heaven? That's all you need is his spirit. All you need is the spirit of God. We rely on you, Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, we welcome you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, another word this morning.
Come on, with all eyes closed in this room, with all eyes closed in this room, church of God, church of the Lord Jesus Christ, with all eyes closed, let's meditate on that word this morning. This is church. All eyes closed in this place, please. Because God deserves your attention. God deserves your worship and your praise. God deserves it. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross in exchange to impart his life and his spirit and his goodness and his joy and his purpose upon you. Do you recognize that? Do you, do you receive that? Come on, let's meditate in that word. The glory of God. The glory of God. His majesty. His goodness. His faithfulness. His mercy. His love. His joy. His peace. His purpose. It's overwhelming. Come on, church. Seek him right now for the next couple minutes. Allow him. Father, we allow you right now. Come on, just let go of yourself. Come on, let go of your mind. Let go of all things. does not want to do what the spirit does not want to do and the spirit wants to do what the flesh does not want to do you have to press in this morning church i'm helping you church to press in into god because god wants to embrace you and lavish you with his great love god wants to empower you to be his witness god wants to just fill you with his goodness god wants to give you purpose in life and it's found here right now with an encounter with the living god come on right now receive what god has for you it only takes for you Close your eyes and seek him. It only takes for you to say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, fill me up. And for some of you, it only takes for you just to just embrace him. For some of you, it takes for, for you to just say, yes, Lord, come more and more. For some of you, you just got to repent. Come on. We're going to give God his time. We're going to spend time with God this morning. I love God when you touch me. I love God when you speak to me. I love God when you heal me. I love God when you comfort me. I love God when you give me peace. I love you, Lord. That's why I praise you and I worship you. Because you are the source of life. Hallelujah. Come on. What are you telling God this morning? What are you saying to him? wants you to experience him. This is not religion. This is not ordinary church. This is a relationship. This is an encounter. This is a spiritual thing right here, right now. Come on, church.
have sin in your life. God wants to set you free from your sin this morning. God wants to deliver you from your addictions, from drugs, from nicotine, from marijuana, from cocaine, from alcohol. He wants to set you free this morning. With still all eyes closed, God is serious about setting you free. That's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Come on, how can I thank God? How can we thank him? Where can we start by saying thank you is not enough for him to die on the cross for your sins? For you guys that are in here and you're not right with God, I want you to just keep an attitude of prayer. Now I just sense God wants to do something. I really feel God's power in this place. Because it is God that cares for you and loves you. It is God that wants to bring freedom and salvation to your life. It is God that wants to just redirect you and give you purpose and direction in life. It is God alone, guys. You know who you are. God wants to reach you. Amen. Come on, let's give God a praise for his presence. Amen. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's give a praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. Praise God. If we all can please have a seat this morning. Uh, parents, if you can just direct your children to the sound booth. Amen. As they go towards the back to the children's area. Before our senior pastor comes up and brings the main message, we like to present the gospel. Um, for those that are watching via webcam and are present and don't have salvation, don't understand their need for God that has created them and given them their own lives here on this earth. Amen? <coughs> um, we can go to that scripture. The Bible says in 1 John, before I get there, my name is Pastor Bird. I'm one of the, camp, one of the pastors here. Amen? Let's read that verse now. First John chapter 1, verse 8 to 9. It says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us for all unrighteousness. Okay. God wants to forgive you. Okay. Now, you know that you're in need of salvation. You're in need, you know you're in need to set set free from an addiction and I really, I, I know there's somebody in this place or there's somebody watching the OSM that needs that freedom and needs that freedom and God is serious, he can set you free and all it takes for you to have a little bit of opening, like a mustard seed of faith a mustard seed of faith to draw to the Lord and he will just transform your life for good and it takes humility, it takes for you to say you know what, I'm in need because sin will destroy you Sin, sin will deceive you. It will deceive you. You can't come to God and say, okay, I'm okay, you know, but you're sinning. You're lying, you're cursing, you're stealing, you're, you know, addicted to drugs. You are, you know, cheating on your spouse and so forth. No, sin will destroy you. God did not create you to sin. It will destroy your soul and damn you to hell. There is no, there is, you're, you did not live for sin. You live for you're, you're put in this world so Christ can come and live inside of you. Amen? And impart his righteousness, holiness, and you can be in relationship with the Father. Amen? If we confess our sins, simple as that. 
He is faithful and He will forgive you. Don't hold back this morning. Don't hold back. Be open to the Word of God as our senior pastor comes up so you can receive the Word of God. Be open to the altar call. You know, we're going to have two people come, um, come up here and pray for those that want to receive, you know, salvation and want to receive prayer, want to receive also um, <clears throat> deliverance from any type of addiction. Amen? The power of God is in this place. And we have to, we have to want God to set you free because He is worthy. He is so good. He is so good. He died on a cross, a death that he didn't deserve, but he did it for you and I so we can be free. And there's such a beautiful feeling and such a good thing. There's such a good, there's such goodness in being in God and allowing him to live inside of you. And I know you sense that in here. If you're not right with God or you're watching via webcam, I know you sense that. I believe you're sensing that, that God wants to change your life. Amen? So if you can please stand as I, I want to pray for you to have the courage to take a step of faith and allow Jesus to transform your life. Amen? Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for those that heard the gospel. Lord, I pray that your spirit will continue to draw them to the cross and they'll receive and not receive your conviction, Lord, because conviction is a good thing. If you feel the pounding in your heart, you feel like you know you need to get things right. There's nobody here that's going to judge you. Nobody here is going to hit you over the head. No, we, we love because God loves and he's in us. Amen. So, I, Lord, I pray that these people would just come and receive your good forgiveness, Lord, as they take courage to confess and renounce their sin and renounce the enemy. So, Lord, do your part. And, Lord, God, I pray that they will do their part in the natural. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so right now, if after we confess our confession of faith, which is we love to do, okay, confession of faith is something that we um, believe the entire body, the body of Christ believes as a whole, you know, worldwide. Um, after this, if you need that prayer, please come up to um, this couple right here, Rudy and Grisella. That's my wife. So please come up to them. Okay, don't be shy. Don't hold back. Amen. God has something for you. Amen. Amen. So let's recite this at count of three together, nice and loud. Okay, one, two, and three. I believe in one God and creator, who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, and the Son who purchased my salvation with his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of all believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell should not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Amen. Let's get God a praise, and let's please take this next five minutes to fellowship and greet one another. Let's praise the Lord.
Praise the Lord. Who's excited to be here this morning? Come on. As you guys make your way to your seat, give your neighbor a high five. Look to your other neighbor say, look to your other neighbor say, it's so good to see you this morning. Just spread the love. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Thank you on behalf of our leadership here for joining us for service this morning. Our services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. And Elevate, they meet every Fridays at 7 p.m. That's 11 to 18 years old. So they're rocking it out for Jesus. So we are very uh, grateful that you came to join us. If this is your first time here, our ushers will give you a brochure. If you did not receive one already at the door, if you could just wave your hand. They'll give one to you. This is just a little welcome letter to you. If you could fill out the bottom portion and then just tear it up and put it in our Dropbox. We would love to connect with you throughout the week. Uh, we have an exciting announcement for you. We have our MPI Super Bowl party. Come on. That is Super Bowl Sunday at 5 p.m. here at the church. Please join us, all the life groups, invite your friends, your families, your neighbors. It is going to be rocking in this place. It is going to be so much fun. And we have a little special something, okay, for the ladies. How many ladies do I have in the house? Come on, make some noise. We're going to be giving makeovers and massages for all the ladies in the back. And then for everybody, we're going to have pizza, prizes, and $50. Come on, get it in your mind right now. $50 for the person who brings the most friends. Who's excited? I, would, I want $50. So whatever you have to do to get them here, get them here, and you will win that, okay? Amen. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments. Our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. Say it with me. Connect, mentor, and send. And the way we want to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus, is through our life groups. Let me say life groups. In the back of your handout, we have all of the life groups listed that are available to you. So please find a place, a type of life group that meets your needs, your family's needs, and get connected to the church. And we like to give you every week a snapshot of what's happening. So today we have three life groups going on. The first one is our worship team, which is 201 Elders and Deacons at 1230 here at the church. We also have our marriage life group. Come on, married folks, make some noise. They're getting together. There's child care provided 5 p.m. The address is right there. It's at Ricky and Rachel's house. And also today we have our single mamas with child care at 5 p.m. Then Wednesday, it's every week for our King's Kids. It's infant to 11 years old. They meet every Wednesday at 6.30. You could drop them off, pick them back up at 8, and that's their time to be discipled through our Royal Rangers for Boys and Impact for Girls Club. So you want your children to be a part of that. Amen? And then Wednesday as well, we have our Righteously Redeemed Elevate Youth Group. Come on, give it up. Elevate. 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. Meet at the church. Every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's, one at the Walker's house, both at 7, both 18 years and up, both have child care. So if you are an adult, that's the place to be on Friday nights. And then Saturday, we have our evangelism. All ages are welcome. 5 p.m., meet at the church. We hit the streets to preach the gospel. How many of you guys know that Chicago needs Jesus? How many of you guys believe that Chicago will be for Jesus? Come on. And we want everybody to just come and be a part of that. And then we want to mentor you. We have leaders ready to take you through our 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life. 
After you graduate the 101, we have our discipleship class, our leadership training class, which is Disciples That Make Disciples. This is our 201. And then we want to send you out to continue to win souls and uh, move in the gifts that God has called you to move in. And then we believe that we can have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. That is our goal. If you believe we can do that by God's grace, say amen. amen. Look at your neighbor. Say you're a part of that number. Look at your other neighbor. Say, so are you. Amen. Praise the Lord. At this time, we're going to get into our tithing and offering lesson. If you could please turn with me uh, to givingbook.org if you have a smartphone. It's com- the lessons are coming out of the Disciples Giving Book. And we are on section one, specifically speaking about tithes. Lesson three today. Lesson three is called The Tithe Was Established in the Law of Moses. And in your Bibles, you can turn to Leviticus chapter 27, verses 30 through 34. We're going to be reading all four of those verses. Here's a definition of the text for our lesson three here. The tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. Somebody say faithfully. Let's get into the passage of scripture. Leviticus 27, 30 through 34. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Whoever would redeem any of their tithe must add a fifth of the value to it. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. No one may pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If anyone does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. Verse 34, these are the commands the Lord gave Moses at Mount Sinai for the Israelites. Here are two main points that we could get from this passage of scripture. Number one, the tithe represents our best. The people of Israel received strict instructions regarding tithing. They were to give God their best, both in agriculture and livestock. So we are not to give God our leftover. We can't give him the leftover after the cable's been paid, the cell phone's been paid, and it's like, uh, I think I got maybe $10 left. Here you go, Lord. No, the best goes to God, and that's the 10% off of our whole income from the beginning. Number two, the tithe was commanded in the law of Moses. The instructions that Moses was given were God's commands, not just suggestions. And they are in place for us today as well. Here's a summary. Just as God commanded the Israelites to give a tenth of their best livestock and vegetation in the old covenant, we in the new covenant should give God 10% of our best income. Somebody say amen. Here's the application. Number one, understand that tithing is not a suggestion, but it is a command from God. That's pretty simple. Number two, don't pick and choose when and how you give to God. Always give God your best 10%. If you're with me, say amen to that as well. We do it faithfully to the Lord out of our relationship with him. Let's confess this on the count of three together. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Isn't that powerful? Stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare 
to give our tithe and offering. Again, MPI believes that the uh, tithe is 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. Our offering, then anything above that tithe, which is an amount between you and the Lord, will go to the mission. If you could go back to that side, please. We'll go to the missions offering, which is gifts above your tithe to fund various mission projects. And then the building offering, gifts above your tithe to help purchase a 15-passenger van. And as you guys have been around since the new year, we are in the middle of an MPI building fund. So any offering that goes above your tithe that you designate properly on the envelope where you want your money to go, we are trying to raise this money and we're believing that God's going to do it through you, through your generosity, because we believe that we are called to win the city and we use these vans to pick up children from uh, the west side to come on Wednesdays. We use it for the youth group. We use it for people to come to church on Sunday. We're going to be using it for missions trips. So we, this is our, where our offering is going at this time. Amen. And we actually have a letter for you. Um, our ushers probably handed this out. Do you have the let's buy a new 15-passenger van paper. Wave it in the air if you have it. We went through this in the beginning of the year. I just want to keep reiterating it to you throughout this whole month to get it into our heart and that you pray and ask God, what do I give out of my generosity? What do I give out of what you've given to me that I can sacrifice this year monthly and be faithful to this building fund? Amen. Let's recite Acts 20, 35 together. Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, God, for your generosity. And God, in return, we, your people, God, will be faithful to give you the 10%, the tithe that belongs to you already. And I pray that you will meet our needs according to your glorious riches in heaven, God. We believe that we walk in in the kingdom fullness and kingdom goodness, God, that everything that you have up there belongs to us here on earth. And we believe, God, that when we put your kingdom first, all our needs will be met, God, that you will take care of us. So I pray that you bless and prosper your people. I pray that you would open job opportunities, that you would bring raises and, inc and increase. And I pray that we would meet your the needs of this city, God, that Chicago and the nations will be one for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Please come forward as you give this morning.
All right, all right. How many are ready for a baby dedication? Can you read these two books here today? Thank you for the message. Amen. Let's get Ryan and Carol to come up with baby Malachi. Let's give it up as they come. So good to have them and their family with us at Metro Praise. Look at baby Malachi. Love you guys. I'm not going to make him cry. Look, you guys are matching shirts today. Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about these shirts and what you do, and, and we'll, then we'll get to the baby dedication. And, uh, but I want them just to hear about your heart for ministry to the unborn children. Well, so uh, most of you guys know uh, we are the directors of the Abolitionist Society of Chicago. And uh, about eight months ago, we started a project called Church Repent, where we're going to churches. And obviously, we haven't been here because we got a church that loves going out on the street and preaching the gospel. And uh, we ask the very simple question, does God hate our worship as Christians? Does he hate us because we abandon our neighbors, we ignore the homeless, the unborn, the prostitutes, the homosexuals? Are we doing our job as Christians in seeking love and justice? And uh, so we like to remind people constantly, seek love, seek justice, seek mercy and grace. That's a bundle of joy. We did a little swap there. I have four kids, but I feel very uncomfortable holding other people's children. Do I look uncomfortable? I'm trying to play it cool, but I love babies. Okay. No, I won't. No, I definitely won't. You know, I would, I would squeeze him more like the abominable snowman, more than I would drop him. That definitely wouldn't happen. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 through 15, that the people brought children to God, uh, to Jesus, and they didn't want that. The disciples tried to stop them. And uh, Jesus said these words. He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on them and blessed them, he went on from there. So may you hold him so I can bless him. Amen. So I don't drop him. But uh, thank you for that awkward moment. You guys are the best. I appreciate that. Who else? Where's Marcel? Had me ha hold up the baby like Lion King. Come on, guys. Will you all make it easy on a pastor doing baby dedications? And then, like, next week, I think we have five, you know, so. But yours is special today because it's, it's you, Malachi. It's, it's you. That's right. It's you. Okay, so the Jesus, you know, would lay his hands on him, and that's just a Jewish a symbol of blessing. And so that's what we're going to do, and that's why we don't do baby uh, baptisms is because we don't believe that children are in need of salvation. We believe that the kingdom of heaven belongs to them, and then at a point in their life, some people call it the age of accountability, they will stand and need uh, before God and need to be born again. Amen? And this is where the Bible actually says train them up the way they should be and they'll uh, in, in the ways of the Lord, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. So, you know, you talk to a lot of church kids who really love God and were brought up right, like a Lawrence, it's hard for him even to put his finger on the day he was born again because he was always confessing Jesus as Lord from a young child. Like like right now, like my children are confessing Jesus as Lord, and they're four and six years old, you know. And so, uh, Ryan, I just want to encourage you with that. And then also, uh, Psalms 127, 3 through 5, I think goes for you guys so much as parents because it says, children are a heritage from the Lord. 
And that's a part of your ministry is to reach out to, to mothers that and fathers in a society, for that fact, that don't think children are a blessing from the Lord. They think it's a burden, and they would rather live downtown with two pets and no children, you know, and, and save a whale instead of saving a baby. And God, God have mercy on our land because of that. That's right. But just for you guys' sake, you've saved so many babies, but the Lord also gives you your own. So Malachi is the start of your heritage for, your ble- for his blessings that come upon you and to him and to his children's children. So it says, the children are heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. So do you feel rewarded to see this baby right here? Amen. Do you, see, do you feel rewarded after the birth and all the pain that you go through? Is this your reward? Was it worth it? Most definitely. Amen. He is worth it, and all children are worth it. And then watch this right here. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. And right now we kind of have this. There's like two wrong ways of doing things in our culture. Number one, to have children outside of marriage. So this is after they let the child live and not abort it, which is a a hideous sin. But there's two wrong ways of raising families. One is to, uh, you know, have children outside of marriage, and that doesn't give the child the best upbringing. And then the other thing is for people to wait until they have their career, their three-bedroom house, their 401k, and now they're 45.5 years old, and boop, we're going to have one kid. That's not how the Bible said to do it. The Bible said do it in the days of your youth, okay? And the reason why we have a lot of young families here is because they want to give their youth to their kids, amen? I've actually had parents look at me and say, well, uh, uh, married people say, and it's okay to wait. I'm not against birth control, amen? Just take a breath, okay? Everybody thinks I'm judging you on this, but what? I've talked to, like, young adults. They're so cool and hipster. They're like, no, we're waiting till I do this and I do this and I do that. And I go, you selfish little thing. You're going to be 80 years old walking your kids down to high school graduation. Give your youth to your kids, not to your little hobby. Well, I still want to play softball. I still want to be in the gym or the girls. I still want a body. Shame on you. Give your body to your children, women. That's why you have what you have. Amen? It ain't for men to stare at you. It's for you to raise children. Now, if the women's lib gets upset with me for that, that's okay. I got more to say to get you upset. Come back next week. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. But listen, you want to like I'm just preaching. We'll get back to this in a minute. Um, no, but I am so serious. It's like, well, yeah, I want it. you want to be a working woman. You want to achieve your dreams. Do that with a baby in the best of your strength. That's what the Bible says. Now, if, if, if you're like me and you had to wait till you were 28 years old for somebody to marry you, that's okay. You, but, you know, you just be strong in your youth. Amen. Okay, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth, and they are a young couple on fire for God. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Amen. I know this is not going to be the last by God's grace. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. And what that simply means is you're building up a strong generation of God-fearing men and women, and you will have uh, them get your back. Amen. And they will carry on your legacy and your heart for ministry. Does everybody believe that? Can I hear an amen? So we just want to present this baby dedication, a certificate, a beautiful son, God's wonderful little gift, your precious little child, the Lord has blessed you with. Ever so precious to Jesus and full of his grace, may he grow to be a man that will always seek God's face. Amen, congregation. Would you just close your eyes as we pray for this beautiful family? Father, I thank you today for Ryan. I pray that you'll strengthen him to continue to provide and work for his family, that he'll continue to lead his family spiritually, Lord, and to be the kind of man that you've called him to be, a mighty warrior for your kingdom, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for uh, Carol. I pray that you bless her and continue to use her, God, to provide and nurture for the child, Lord, and that she will be a godly example, Lord, and that both of them will show uh, what it's like to be a man and a woman to their 
son so that Malachi will know what each role is supposed to be, Lord. And I pray now that you bless Malachi, Lord. Bless him like you did for the prophet of old, God, that he'll have a heart for the church and to bring them back to the ways of God like Malachi did for Israel, Lord. Let him not compromise his testimony. Let him grow up strong and let him prosper in all that he does. And, Lord, we thank you for the family that is here, grandparents, aunts and uncles, extended friends, Lord, uh, that have made this family rich and nourishment, God, to this young man, this, Mal this baby, Lord. I pray that all of them will play a part in raising up Malachi to know and love you all the days of his life, God. In Jesus' name, and this congregation said amen. Can we bless the Lord for this awesome couple? Amen. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Love you. Beautiful. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Psalms. Next week, how many babies are getting dedicated? Five? Seven. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. What a blessing. And it's so good to see uh, Ryan's family here. Thank you, guys. I'll be in the back if you want to talk to me and let me know your thoughts about the service. I, I'll just enjoy to hear an outsider's point of view. And I can take it, by the way. I can take it. Oh, man, I'm so happy that you're here this morning. Are you glad to be in the house of God? How many are happy that the sun came out of this week or last week, whatever? How many are happy for that? <laughs> Did you know you live in the Midwest when it's like 35 degrees and people are walking around in their T-shirts, man? I was at Walgreens. A dude had his shirt off. He was skateboarding. And I'm like, you go, Mid Mid Midwestern man. You go. You are crazy and you don't even know it because it's normal to you. But how many felt that sun come out and it was like your life changed? It's like, yes, there it is. And then, whoop, it just goes away. Because I was like, well, I'm going to see the sun this morning. But praise God, Sunday morning I can see the S-O-N sun, the son of God. Amen? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody love the sun? Is it, okay, just, just want to talk to some of you here today. Because other people are like, I love hibernating. I love gray, wintry, cold, sub-zero Chicago days. That's awesome, okay? Some of us love all of that, but the sun. Just put the sun in there and I'll make it. Look with me to these notes. We're going into our sermon series, the great, Our Great God. We've talked about our great vision. We've talked about our great city, the name of our church, and now we're going into our great commission. Everybody say the great commission. Amen. The great commission is what we're going to learn about today and how the church applies that to our lives, and hopefully you and I can partner together in how we do it. But open up now with me to Psalms chapter 48, verse 1. I chopped up this whole psalm. I've read it in, in its context the first week, but just uh, to shorten it because I have a lot to get into today so you can see the, the, the series scripture that we're going through. If you're in Psalms 48, can I hear you say I'm there? If you're not, say hold up. Okay, I'm going to wait for some of you because I love that you work your word, baby. I want to see you work it and twerk it. That's right. We want to see you work your word for Jesus. Even though we put it up here on the karaoke screen, it's always good to, to work it in your own Bible. Looking at this psalm, it's such a powerful psalm. I hope that it really encourages you to, uh, to look back at the psalms and apply them to your life because they're so awesome. Look at this right here. David, um, I've, you know what I've said David speaking about four or five times by force of habit. This is actually the sons of Asaph, which were uh, kind of like disciples of David. So uh, let me clarify that. But look at this psalm that they bring here. Great is the... Come on, great is the Lord and most worthy of 
praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Now, we spent an entire service on our great name, Metro Praise International. Where does this come from? It comes from Metro, the city of our God, giving him praise, okay? And international, you're going to see at the end, where it talks about this praise reaches to the end of the earth. So why do we have the name Metro Praise International? We are representing the great city of God, bringing him praise to the ends of the earth. And we learned that this was in the days of Israel, Jerusalem. That was that place. But then they had these kind of messianic prophecies along with the other prophets like Isaiah that said not only is Jerusalem the place of God's praise, but there is another Jerusalem coming where God will be with his people. Lion will lay with lamb. Blessing and prosperity will be there. And all the nations will come to worship God in the flesh at that holy mountain. Can I hear any men for that? And you see a psalm like Psalm 2. Kiss the son lest he become angry. And this literal son of God ruling from this holy mountain. Now it is by that name Metro Praise International that we are symbolically relating to. Even though we believe that the nation of Israel, that land over there in the Middle East belongs to the Jews, we are Zionists in the sense that we believe God gave it to them and it belongs to them. Amen. So that's why I believe in supporting the nation of Israel and politically we've preached on that and why it's the best for all nations that Israel succeeds. But that doesn't mean Jewish people don't need to be born again. Jewish people have to be born again. Jesus was a Jew, okay? Paul was a Jew. They need to come to Christ and be born again. So we're not relating just to an earthly place today called Jerusalem. We're relating to the ones that the prophets look to called New Jerusalem. That is the city right here that the sons of Asaph are talking about. Can I get an amen? Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful is its loftiness, the joy of all the earth. Like the heights of Zephon is Mount Zion, and Mount Zion is that metaphorical name for New Jerusalem. And there are great churches with that name, Mount Zion or New Jerusalem. That's where they're getting it from. The city of our great king. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Now this is where we made that application. Where was the temple in the Old Testament? Jerusalem, a little old building, three different sections. The outer court, the, the inner court, the holy place, and then the holy of holies. So I actually named off four, but the outer court didn't count because it wasn't technically inside the temple. So it was outer court, holy place, and the most holy place. Everybody with me? Where was the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of God? Holy of holy place. Where was the table of showbread? In the holy place or in the inner, uh, uh, the holy place and the most holy place. So yeah, we're there. Get a picture of the temple of God, please, for Jerusalem. Just Google it uh, and we'll get the words right here. I confuse myself sometimes. Uh, But where is the temple of God in the New Testament? Point to it. Point to where it's at. Where is the temple? Paul said, we are the temple. So if I'm applying this to the new covenant, it says, beautiful is our God in the temple. uh, Beautiful is he within his temple. We meditate on his unfailing love. So where should you meditate on his unfailing love? Just in church? Just in this building? Is this considered the temple of God in the New Testament? You meditate on him right here in your heart, do you not? Right there. That's where you meditate on. Now look at this. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to what? The ends of the earth. What is the third part of our name? Metro praise. Okay, so the city of praise, God's Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem, and it reaches to the ends of the earth. Where did Jesus say to take the gospel and make disciples of what? All the nations. Metro praise international. Your right hand is filled with what? Righteousness for God is our, for this God is our God. Somebody say he's my God. Forever and ever he will be our guide even to the end. How many are following God? How many want to do it his way? 
Amen. Do we got a Google picture of the temple? Look, let's give it up for the guys in the back making it happen. Okay. Bam. Where's Jared? Help me with the blame. Okay. Outer court is. This is outer court, right, Jared? Where is Jared? Does he disappear doing something? This is inner court. This is the holy place where the table of showbread is. And then the holy of holies. Find me one that actually says that. I just need somebody to confirm. Any Bible college scholars want to help me? I'm okay with that. Got horns going off over here. Everything's going on. Find one that says holy place and all that. Please put that up for me. I want you guys to get this. What's that? It was up. Bring it back. Bring it back if it is. I didn't see it. Where? Inside the temple. Okay. Boom. Give me a better one. Though. I don't like it like that. Give me one that... Give me, I don't like it like that. Give me another one. I want one that sections it off. I want the ones with the labels on it. You know why this is important? Because we need to know where the temple was in the Old Testament to apply it to the New Testament. Okay? Now, some people take this to the next level. There was three parts of the temple. They say there's three parts of man, body, soul, and spirit. We're not going to get weirdy like that, okay? But I do want you to know that there were three distinct parts of the temple that really signified a form of worship. And as a matter of fact, I got the 201 book here. There we go. Boom. Let's give it up for the guys in the back again. This is what I needed. This is my type of diagram. Forget all that other stuff. This is it. You know what I'm saying? Put a little cartoon Moses in there and I'm cool. Okay, here we go. This section right here is called the inner court. Everybody say inner court. This part was called the outer court, okay? And so where I got confused, and now we're all back on the same page, as I said, there's three parts of the temple, and then I named off four parts, okay? Because the outer court is technically not part of the temple. Here's the temple, inner court, because this is, you see this right here? That, that, that's the boundary. In there is the inner court. Right here is the holy place, and right there is the holiest of place, known as the holy of holies. Now, does everybody know why I would, I would get confused a little bit? Because there's a holy place and the holy of holy place. Now, let me just share this with you real quick. Not in our notes, but it's in our 201 book, and I'll show you the page. Matter of fact, Jared, give me the page before we go so they can look at it. It's free online as well. When you would come into this temple, the first thing you would do is you would make a sacrifice. Well, the priests would, but you would, they would do this on behalf of you. Make a sacrifice. Then after the sacrifice, there on the altar, they would wash themselves here at the brazen laver. And then uh, they would go into this place, the holy place, and the menorah would be the, the candlesticks. The incense would be there burning. And Anybody like the smell of incense? Anybody like that? And then bread would be there as a representation of the 12 tribes. And then anybody ever watch uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones? Anybody know what I'm talking Like five of you. Come on, come on, man. You all remember Indiana Jones. This is what they were looking for right there called the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what did the Ark of the Covenant have in it? It was like a treasure chest. Two angels were on top. You can Google that. Come on, let's do Ark of the Covenant next level. What did the Ark of the Covenant have in the treasure chest? Three things. Ten Commandments, what else? Aaron's rod that budded for a test of his priesthood. And what was the third thing? Manna, boom, to remind the people of God's promise. Now, why is this important when we're looking at today's lesson and the whole series, because I like to give you guys good introductions every time we get into this. When David was, uh, the, Psalms of, the sons of Asaph were writing this psalm, and they were talking about great is God, great is he in his temple, on his holy hill, this scripture right here, that's the temple they were referring to. 
Now, when people see that I take this and name my church that, they go, well, you're not supposed to do that. This is literal and all this. No, already back then, they were looking for a metaphorical place to happen. They knew that Jerusalem was not big enough for their God. So, for example, when Solomon dedicated that temple, God said to him, can any temple hold my presence? See, God was speaking to them saying, I am bigger than even this temple. Does anybody remember that? Right? And then if you remember, just kind of skipping around, then when God was dealing with Moses, God's spirit came upon him, and then eventually he said, I can't handle all of this. And then God's spirit came upon all the other tribal leaders. Everybody remember that? So the whole point has always been that God wants his temple within people. But what separated us from having that? Sin. So why did Jesus die on the cross? To restore us to God, that is one, but second, to dwell among us and make us one with him. He not only just wants to take us as trophies and go, here you go, I saved you. He wants to literally live in us. The Holy Spirit lives in the people of God. We should not take that lightly. That is replacing this temple, which was a big deal to the Jewish people, but to them a bigger deal would be, and this is what Jesus said, the prophets, you you know, like you look back on those days going, oh, I wish I was there when Moses parted the Red Sea or this and that. No, Jesus said they longed, those Old Testament prophets longed for your day because that means God would be with them and all of them. David said like this, David said, better is one day in your temple than a thousand elsewhere. See, David understood that just being there in that temple was close to God, but now we can all have that desire fulfilled. How many love being in God's temple? Loving Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? Thank you. That was, um, I think that was, I was not going to say anything. I'll receive that clap. Amen. For Jesus. Boom. Manna, jar of manna, Ten Commandments, Aaron's bud. How many are ready for the message? Can I hear an amen? All right, now open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. It's always good to take a bit of a journey in the introduction to give you guys some extra things right off the top, and thank you guys for helping me there. Jared, do you have that section uh, where they can pray the tabernacle prayer? Yeah, somebody just give me the exact page. That way they can write it down if they want to look in the 201 book. Thank you. 88 in the 201 book. If you want to see the tabernacle laid out and to pray through those different steps, meaning you're going to come to the altar and say, God, forgive me of my sins. Then go to the brazen laver, Lord, wash and cleanse me. Then go to the table of showbread, eat the word of God and memorize it. Then going to the menorah, the candlestick, asking the Holy Spirit to illumine his wisdom in your life. Going to the incense, lifting up your praise unto God, and then coming into the holy of place, communion with him, not talking so much, but hearing what he has to say to you. How many think that's a good prayer workout? There's also the Our Father workout. If you want to start with Our Father, how to be your name, praise him. Then pray for his kingdom come, etc. You, you'll enjoy that during our 201 book. Okay, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, talking about our great commission. Our great city is the city of God. Our great vision is what? Loving God and loving people. Thank you. Look at this. Matthew 28, 16 is now our great commission. Then the 11 what? Come on. Then the 11 disciples, not just churchgoers, not just people who liked hanging out with Jesus. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them. When they saw them, some worshiped him, but some doubted. Are there any people here today that doubt? Are there any people here that worship? Which one are you? See, you could be a doubter or you could be a worshiper and you can still be following God. 
Only God knows your heart. Come on, be honest with your walk with God right now. Do you doubt him or do you worship him? What were you doing for the first half hour while we were here? Were you doubting while people were singing songs unto God about all your problems, not knowing if God could handle them, and not knowing what this church stuff is all about or what your neighbor was doing? Or were you here worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great I am, who's worthy of all the glory and honor and praise? Hallelujah. So back then there was always two types of people, and today there's two types of people. Now look at verse seven, uh, verse 18. Then Jesus said to them, who is the them he is speaking to right here? The uh, disciples. How many are there? Eleven. Why isn't there twelve? What happened to Judas? He betrayed, and then he did what? He killed himself. What's the difference between Judas and Peter? Both of them betrayed him, Right? Well, you might say, well, one got more money out of it. Well, he was smarter, I guess, for if you're going to sin, I guess sin like that. But, but really, what was the difference? They both betrayed him, and even Peter didn't betray him one time. Peter betrayed him three times. Have you ever thought about what's the difference? Somebody shouted out, what was it? Repentance. You can come back from any sin if you'll repent. If you'll come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, he'll forgive you. You know, when Judas came to betray Jesus, was the words that he called him. He said, friend. Do what you've come to do. Jesus loved him so much, he even called him friend. The Bible says Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus is a friend of sinners, and he's a friend of mine. But he'll only forgive those who ask for forgiveness. He's not a divine kidnapper. He's not making you go to heaven with him. He only brings those who want to come. Amen? Okay, I'm going to read it without preaching now. Let's just listen to it. Here we go. Verse 18, then he came to them, those 11 disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. How many get excited when you hear that? Amen. Those are the marching orders of the church. That's Jesus talking. He's telling 11 disciples that he's hung out with for three and a half years. He's saying, fellas, I've got a plan, and that plan involves you going to all the nations and teaching them everything I've commanded you. Last week we learned about loving God. The two ways we love God is by worshiping him and obeying his commands. The Bible says we worship him in spirit and in truth. And then we obey his commands. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. I let you know they're summarized in the whole New Testament, the New Covenant, about a hundred commands of Jesus that come through him and his apostles. Are you going to obey this command to go teach his commands? Sometimes we think to ourselves, well, I obey Jesus' commands. And then we ask people, like, well, well, what do you obey? Well, I don't steal. I don't lie. I don't kill anybody. Well, good thing you're not a mass murderer that needs to go to jail today. We're so happy for you. Yeah. Good job. You, you, you made it up the moral ladder to step one. Thank you. You're, you can now be a guest in my house. Good. You made it to step one. But how many know there's others' commands to pray and not cease, give to the poor, help the needy, go and preach, go and pray for the sick, go and make disciples. So the question isn't just what you're not doing, it's what are you doing. And it's not doing it to do, it's doing it because I am. Disciples don't go do things to become disciples. Disciples are made them when they're born again. And because they're disciples, they do what they do. So if you're sitting here today going, man, I don't know if I can do this. Can you put that scripture up, please? You might say, man, I don't know at the Great Commission. I don't know if I can follow those words of Jesus. Here's the point. You can't without him. So would you like to be born again? 
so that you could follow them? Would you like Christ to transform you so that you could keep his commands? Please put up the notes with the Great Commission, please. Because if you look at these words and make an excuse and say, I can't, you have now said that God is not more powerful than your excuses. I have talked to people all the time. They come to this church. They see all the life groups. They see all the preaching. Let me just help my brother right here. Let me just help him. Let me just help him. Let's go. Come on. Let's do this. There you go. A little bit more. No, come down. Come down. Right there. Here we go. Yeah, people look at this and they go, oh, my goodness. Oh, Metro Praise, you guys go witnessing? Oh, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Oh, I'm not called to that. Oh, I'm not called to tell my friends about Jesus. Oh, what, what you're called to be a chicken? What you're called to be a willy-nilly? You were called to be backslidden, frozen, chosen. What, you found that in the Bible? Thou shalt stay and do nothing for me but sit on a pew and stink. That's why I call it a pew. Is that what Jesus said? Hey, just whatever you feel like doing, just give me your best because I just appreciate it. Like, do you think Jesus is like your high school gym teacher? Like, oh, well, no, no offense to high school gym teacher. I'm just saying, like, you know, kind of mine was like, all right, guys, do whatever you want. We're going to play kickball today, you know. I guess that was more like my elementary school. We got a good gym teacher. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, is Jesus, is Jesus like, your, like your gym teacher? Like, all right, you know, come on, guys, give us your best. Or is Jesus actually saying, this is what I want you to do. This is it. And if you don't think you can, that's all right because I got power on the inside of you to do it. You see, the power he gave us, the Bible says in Acts chapter two, he's, uh, Acts chapter 1, he said, and you shall receive power to be my shoppers at Walmart. You shall receive power so that you can get your hair ready in the morning, ladies, and still come to church on time. You shall receive power so you can sing in the choir. Is that what he said? How about this? You will receive power so that you can live holy. He didn't even say that. He said you were made holy as I am holy. But he said this power, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power, dunamis, meaning the energy, like a locomotive is powered by coal, your house powered by gas, electricity. You will receive Holy Ghost power to be my witnesses, witnessing and sharing your faith and fulfilling the great commission comes from the power of God. It comes from his energy on the inside of you. It comes from his passion that you actually care about other people. How many care about what's going on in Chicago right now? I mean, it's easy. Let's be honest. It gets easy to be numb, doesn't it? Another shooting. Another person drowns their kids in a bathtub. Another innocent man gets killed. Another this, another corruption of our leaders. How many of our governors are in jail right now? What, two of them? You know, it gets real easy to just say, well, burn it all down, Jesus. But that's not the heart of Jesus, is it? The heart of Jesus isn't just, let's just throw Chicago away. He said, I got all the authority, and I want you to go and teach what I taught you. Make disciples. Make disciples. You see, when you make something, it takes time, doesn't it? Now, some of you, you look at this beautiful place. I want to let you know this beautiful place. I had absolutely nothing to do with this. 
I didn't make one thing. I didn't cut one piece of wood. I didn't do this on the stage. I didn't even make that beautiful screen that I like to play with so much. I didn't make any of this. But you know what? Somebody did. And the people that made this had to take time. They had to cut the boards. They had to measure it out. They had to get a vision for what this would become. You know, the person who designed this said, if, if I can see this space and it being the best useful, I'll put steps up like this and a smaller stage here and a pastor will preach here instead of up here. My friend who designed this had that in mind. For you to make disciples, you've got to make something and you've got to see in your mind what you're making through the eyes of the Spirit. When I go out preaching the gospel on the streets or I go witness to my friends, I have a vision of them in my heart coming to Jesus and the type of person they can become. Right now, just use your Holy Ghost imagination. Come on. Don't just use it for winning the lottery and what you're going to do at 1 o'clock when I get done preaching. You notice I said what time? Okay, 1 o'clock when I get done preaching. Don't use your imagination for that. Use your imagination right now. Pick three people in your mind. You can close your eyes or keep your eyes open. It's easier for me to close my eyes. Think of three people in your life. I'm going to think of my sister, my neighbor, Steve and Michelle, and I'm going to think of the guy I go to the gym with and always talk, John, okay? I want you to think of them right now coming to Christ. I want you to imagine them excited to be in church, sitting next to you. I want you to imagine their church, uh, their children coming to the Sunday school, them telling you on the phone about what God did in their life. Use your imagination. Nothing wrong with it. We're not playing mind games. We're not acting like this gives us power. But we're just using our imagination. It's a vision. It's a, it's a sense of directing our attention towards something that is not. Now everybody look up at me. Do you believe God can do that? Are you willing to now reach out to them? This man, John, that I'm talking to at the gym, he's an atheist. He, he loves uh, life. He's a secularist. He says he's a humanist, all these big words. But the bottom line is, is he doesn't think there's a God, and he did all right by being at college, uh, you know, a teacher and going to college and all these things. But he's lonely, and I can tell that he's lonely, and he needs God. And the Bible says without the Lord Jesus as his Savior, he's going to go to hell. But when I close my eyes and I pray for him, I see Jesus changing his heart. I see Jesus softening his life so that he can see the grace of God. I see him loving Jesus like my parents have loved Jesus because they're about the same age. My mom just turned, what, 73 in December? 72. Amen. I don't want to make her older than what she is. But she just turned 72. I could see her doing it. I could see my neighbors doing that. How many could imagine God doing that? See, that's what it means. You go make disciples. Now, God, of course, is going to go with you because he says, I'm with you to the very end of the age. But as you're going and making, he's working through you. As you're going and making and teaching, God is with you. Amen? Let's go to these words that we can learn to, to better understand the Great Commission. It's been termed that in church history. The word commission means an instruction, command, or duty given to a person or group of people. That's why we've termed this in the church, this passage, it's called the Great Commission. It's the duty of Christians. The, strat the word strategy means a plan, a method, a series of maneuvers for obtaining a specific goal or result. Now let me ask you to make it applicable to your life. Does anybody on their job have a duty that they must perform every day to get paid? Does anybody, while they're performing that duty, have strategies or maybe what you might call protocols? Does anybody relate to that? This is the same thing in Christ's church. He has a duty for every believer, and he has protocols and maneuvers that we should follow. Metro Praise makes the Great Commission our great mission. 
The Great Commission is our great mission, and that is to be a disciple-making church that makes disciples. That's the Great Commission in a nutshell. Disciples that make, that sounds like a title of a cool book. Disciples that make disciples. Isn't that awesome? That's what we're here to do, disciples making disciples. That's what Jesus said. Now, what is our specific strategy? Because every church may do this differently, and I do want to say this here because I want Metro Praise to be different as we're becoming large and in charge. How many like seeing everybody here? Can I get a woo-woo? I just never want us to become one of those big churches that try to make all the other churches feel bad because we got books and we got a cool pastor that, you know, preaches and does all this. Uh, you know, that's not important to me. This is what I want your testimony to be to Metro, about Metro Praise to your friends and family. We are a church of disciples that make disciples. Amen? It's not about how cool the worship is, how cool the facilities, how great my preaching or teaching is, how good our books are. It's not about any of those things. It's about disciples making disciples. Amen? And if you meet somebody on your job that says, I'm a disciple of Christ, and their testimony bears witness with your testimony, they're living it out, you encourage them. you got another disciple with you. Amen? You're at the school, kids, let's not fight. Why go to Metro Praise? Why go to New Life Covenant? No, we're all disciples making disciples. Last time I checked, there was 8 million lost people in Chicago and only a few hundred thousand maybe a million Christians, amen? We need to win this city together. So I just want to say that because sometimes people think we're being a little sassy because we put 100,000 up there. Listen to me. That may sound like a big number to you, Bubba, but there's 7.9 million left for y'all to get out there too, amen? We just want 100,000. We want to stack it up for Jesus, amen? And then other times I've even had pastors say, oh, I see their members standing out on the sidewalks with their Bibles. They remind me of Jehovah Witnesses. I can never ask my people to do that. I'm serious. I heard that from a pastor that told me his pastor friend drove by and saw us, reliable source. He said, oh, my goodness, to his friend. That pastor's getting ready to resign now. God have mercy on him. But he said to his friend, they are doing what Jesus did. Jesus went to the towns, the temples, the villages, the highways and byways and preached the gospel. Shouldn't we do the same? We do that as well as witnessing to our coworkers, coffee houses, lunch breaks, and et cetera. So commission, the duty of the, the church, disciples that make disciples. Strategy, the method that we use is connect, mentor, send. Can everybody say connect? If you say mentor, can you say send? Thank you. Now, this is just our simple way of looking at it. Look at these notes, please. They're online as well if you want to see them. Connecting is just a simple way to start off as the, the phrase, uh, to, to be a phrase or a word there really to stand for coming into relationship with Jesus. We are understanding of that word connect, right? Like I'm going to connect with you. Hey, man, we're going to connect later on this week. We're talking about connecting to Jesus. This is the first part of our vision. I don't have time for you to turn to all these scriptures, so if you would just allow me to read some of this from the notes, you will be blessed because I won't take as long. Can I get an amen for that? Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, one of my most favorite passages, and I hope you love it as well, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Therefore, we believe that Jesus wants us to connect to God by these following three ways. We believe the heart of God is to connect people to him. Number one, by being born again. That's the only way into heaven, John 3, 3. Then number two, remaining connected to Jesus. John 15, 4 talks about the vine and the branches, and that if a vine stops bearing fruit, Jesus will cut it off and throw it into the fire. So remain connected to God. Finish the fight of faith. You are saved by faith, and you fight the fight of faith. Can I hear an amen? 
And then number three, be connected to a good church. Acts 2.46 really lists out the relationship that the disciples had in their church. They prayed together. They ate meals together. They went out and shared the gospel together. That should be our habit. So how do we believe we should connect in this church specifically fulfilling the great duty, the great commission? Number one, connecting to our services and connecting to the life groups. Okay, so as we're doing this, can you go to the vision and just kind of like sideswipe that slide there? Because I want you guys to see how these announcements play into it every week. Does everybody remember these announcements from today? How many have heard these announcements before? Our vision, our strategy. Well, at the beginning of the year, we like to really make it clear to you, and it's as well in our discipleship book. So as they put this slide up here, our vision is loving, well, our name is Metro Praise International. We talked about that our first week, our great name, and it re reminds us of the new Jerusalem coming that we'll dwell with, uh, with Jesus forever. We talked last week about our great vision, loving God, loving people, because that's what Jesus said, right? And then we talk about our discipleship strategy, connect, mentor, and send. You've heard that before. And then last week, here's the real surprise I was going to surprise you with, but it was actually me teasing, because what do you think I'm going to talk about next week? Our great goal. Amen. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about winning the world for Jesus. And the Bible says if you seek first his kingdom all the, and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. So I want to encourage you as you're setting your goals for your job, your family, whatever you want to do in life, education, keep God in his kingdom first and watch what he does for you. I don't mean that to manipulate you, to trick you. There is no holy rag up here, holy water. I'm just here to tell you, put God first and watch what he'll do in your life. Amen. Watch what happens when you prioritize what he, he, what he wants upon this earth. Okay, so go back to the notes. Everybody say connect. Thank you. Two ways. How, do, how can you get born again in this church, get connected uh, to Jesus, remain connected? By coming to church and life groups. It's very open for people to accept Christ here. Of course, I accepted Christ at my mother's kitchen table, but all of our life groups, all of our services are geared towards you accepting Christ. And, of course, evangelism. But evangelism complements these things that we're doing in the service. So to me, if someone gets saved on the streets, we still want them to connect here in the church to begin their stage of growth. Okay, so connect is our services and life groups. Can everybody say mentor? Thank you. When you look at mentoring, we look at that great commission. We've just read it. And there's four things that I believe that stand out in a disciple's life. So this is my study here of the uh, survey of the Bible. If you would ask me, Joe, what are four attributes of a disciple? I would say they're teachable, I would say they're accountable, I would say they're a servant, and I would say they hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. Being teachable is 2 Timothy 2, 2. Would you turn there with me click, quickly, because I want to show you this. Because I sometimes have people come from other churches that say, Pastor, well, I've done this at my church, why should I do it again here? You know why? Because you should be teachable. If your other church was so great, why are you here today? <laughs> Number one, Amen. Well, we didn't do it at my church. Well, that's probably a reason for you to go back to your church. Okay, hey, think about it, friends. If you go, well, we didn't do it at, that way at my church, are you trying to get me to be like your church so people will leave my church like you left that church? My thing is this. I don't get people to leave churches. If that church down the road is awesome, do what they're doing. Amen? But if you're here, this is what we're doing. Has anybody ever walked into McDonald's going, I'll take a large pizza, half pepperoni, half mushroom, and all that? You all ever do that? Seriously, man, do you ever walk into a car dealership going, man, would you fix my phone? My phone broke. You need to know what they're there for, what the vision is, amen? If you come here and go, well, I don't want to be a disciple, that's the first thing I'm, the first thing I'm going to tell you is, well, here's a brochure to 10 other churches that don't want you to be a disciple. And I don't mean that to be rude. I'm just being honest. 
Well, I don't want anybody teaching me stuff. I've already done all that. Okay, well, here's a church that don't mind you doing that. You just sit on the pew. You give them your money, and you don't have to worry about nothing. Go to that church. There you go. But this is what we're going to do here. Amen? We're going to make disciples here. We're going to love doing it. You know why we make disciples? Because we love you. Let me tell you, making disciples is the hardest thing a pastor could ever do. I would rather preach 100 sermons. I could rather, you know, to save my flesh and time and energy, preach 100 sermons than get involved in one person's life. You ever got involved really in one person's life? Some of you only have really one best friend. Some of us only have a couple more than that. But why is that? Because you can't take on everybody's problems. You can't get up in everybody's. It's like, oh, dear God, it's you again? Okay, tell me what happened today at work. Okay, oh, my goodness. Imagine doing that with two, three, four, five. Jesus had 12. 12 people every day. What's going on, Jesus? I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. They were always losing their mind wanting to leave them, but he did it. I'm telling you, it's easier for a pastor to go golfing, build a big church, sing in the choir, and do all of that than to have you be a disciple. It takes more from me. It takes more from you. But I'll tell you what, it will transform our lives. It will make us into something great. Amen? Not something that everything else, you know, I don't want to look like everybody else in the world. I want to look like Jesus, amen? I don't want to taste like everything. I want somebody to get around me and go, mm, you are good. Where did you come from with that attitude? Oh, I came from Metro Pines, baby. I'm teachable. I'm accountable. I'm a servant. I'm hungry for righteousness. People know my walk with God is real, amen? They know I live for Jesus. Praise the Lord. Like rebuke is one of our favorite words around here, is it not? Like, you ain't never heard that word till you came to Metro Praise. You'll hear it all the time. Well, I got rebuked. Somebody rebuked me. Oh, my goodness, I just got rebuked again on Facebook. They text rebuked me. I didn't even know I could be text rebuked. Get rebuked all up in this place. Why? Because the Bible says that, that um, open correction is better than hidden love. People say they love you, but they don't want to help you change. That doesn't mean they love you. They're lying to you. What if, you had a, what if you had a coach or what if you had a, a, a trainer that you came every week the same weight, the same messed up body, and he didn't say or she didn't say nothing to you? Would you think that trainer cared about you? All they're doing is just taking your money. Come on, just give me your money. Come on, just give, I like it when you stay fat because you give me more uh, time to spend on you. And I feel that's the way some of the churches are. Well, I like it when you stay in sin because you don't mess with my sin. I like it when you don't expect much because I don't have to give you much. I like it when you want to be out of here in an hour because I get to be out of here in an hour. Hell, come on. We need to do what Jesus did. Amen. Just look at that one scripture, please, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Here's Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he says these very important words that, that really just this signify the heart of discipleship. Because remember, Paul wasn't even there at the 11. He wasn't there with the 11. But Jesus ended up speaking to him specifically, and I believe he became that 12th apostle, though some people think it was Matthias. But I just don't think personally Jesus was in the casting lots in the new covenant. So I think Jesus picked his own 12th. And that's what I think replaced the SUM students. I won't debate over it, but I'll just say I'm right. Amen. No, I'm kidding. If you want to debate, I'll give you a chance to prove otherwise. But I just believe Paul is that 12th one, and the bottom line is he knew how to make disciples, and he was making disciples, and here's Timothy. The book Timothy is named after that young man who became a great leader, and here's what he says. I'll start in verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ. How many want to be strong in grace? Not legalism, not being judgmental, but strong in grace. Grace knows what sin is, and grace knows that God still forgives, and grace knows that God empowers us from sin. Amen? And it says, and these things, look at this, just like how Jesus said, go and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus said that, right? Teach them to obey what? Everything I commanded you. Now look what Paul says. 
And these things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses in trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. It is our job in the church to find reliable, qualified, and teachable people. Why? Because your family depends on that. If you're reliable here, you'll be reliable there. Now, I know some of you come from a past that's a little messed up and took a lot of turns to get here, went through bumpy roads, flat tires, had to switch out cars, and you're just happy to be here. Can I get an amen for some people's testimony like that? Amen. You're just happy to be in church this morning. If you knew what I knew and what I've been through. Woo! Hallelujah. Anybody got a testimony like that? Some of y'all being shy right now, but don't even have me call out Steve and Elbla. Some people had to get saved in the jail cell. Somebody needed Jesus on C block. Are you listening? Now, that's okay. Praise God. I was arrested eight times before I was an adult. My, I could have been raised right like Malachi, but I went all which way. But I thank God I'm here today. Amen. But I want to say this for, for a lot of people here now, starting over with their kids, you know, and their family. How many of us want to be reliable with them now? So they will grow up being reliable. Amen. How many want to teach them to be qualified in life so that they don't have to be disqualified? See, I was disqualified from having a woman like Nancy in my life when I was 18 because I was on drugs. I was disqualified. God would not give me a woman of God because I wasn't a man of God. How could I ask for something that's outside of his plan? You understand? How could I ask God to bless me with an education when all I was doing was smoking drugs? I couldn't ask God for that. Now you say, well, that's God's desire. Yeah, but I couldn't truly ask him of that. It wasn't in his plan. So I want to tell you today that in his plan, in God's plan, is for you to be reliable. To God, it means something. And it should then reflect on your job. It should. People on your job should say they're reliable. And if you were brought up in church or started coming to church, you could actually use that as your testimony. Go, I learned to be reliable in church. God taught me that. God taught me to be qualified. You know, you, we talked about this last week. You ever heard of Princeton, Yale, Harvard? We talked about Northwestern University. What were all those schools? Bible colleges. We need to give God the glory for these things. Now, some of you may be naturally uh, reliable on your way to hell, and you just needed Jesus to save you, as we all do. But I hope that you're being reliable now unto Christ and setting that as your example as well. So I just wanted to hit on that. But here are these four things going back to the note. We need to be teachable. We need to be accountable. How many know what accountability means? You know what that means, right? You're accountable on your job. It basically means letting me know when I'm wrong and helping me be right. You're getting trained to be a boxer. You're pretty tough. Can I get you to stand up? Can we get it for Jonathan as he comes? Come on. I'm in one of those moods today. Come on. Yeah, come on. Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I got to do this for my pastor. Why does he do this? Okay. But the point is, if you're doing that at the gym, you're accountable to your coach, right? He comes, puts up your elbows, puts down your elbows. He starts to do that swinging thing. You know, I like to see the you know, coaches. You know, the guys are ducking. If you don't duck, you're accountable to that hand coming across your face, aren't you? Boom. Hey, there we go. And the sad thing is we're accountable. Sometimes we get fired. We get laid off. You know, life will, will teach us that we got to be a person of excellence if we want to succeed for the most part. I know there's still some crooked people that make it to the top, but for the most part, uh, I still believe that hard work pays off, you know, that honesty and integrity matters in this world. Do you still believe that? Now, 
excuse me, even if it wasn't rewarded, would you still do it? You know, you look at Moses at the end of his life. God says, you're not seeing the promised land. There's been some mistakes along the way. Uh, uh, rather, you're not going into it. I'll let you see it, but you're not going into it. But you know what? Moses was still faithful. So would you be faithful to God that, you know, let's say you do all these things and you never got a raise, promotion, you know, maybe never manifested in the, the world outside of these buildings, uh, this building. Would you still do it? How about if you served God and it actually cost you things? Now, being a Christian like it does in other countries, uh, let's say it cost you your house. Let's say it cost you your job. Would you still serve Christ? Right? So let's make sure our motives are right. But I do want to encourage you that when you're the best here, I still believe that our country rewards that kind of behavior and hard work. And I want to ask you to be blessed, to be a blessing. Amen? Okay, so there we go. Teachable, accountable, a servant, hungry for God. Now, how do we believe is the best way to do that? In our 101 and 201 book, if you go down to the bottom there, please, you'll see it. The 101, as we announce every single week, is simply a seven-step book to your spiritual growth that helps you to learn to pray, helps you to learn to hear from God, uh, to get baptized in water if you haven't been baptized yet. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit here. We teach that and believe that. You've heard that today, speaking in other tongues. We teach that and, and, and explain that in depth here. Also, sharing your faith because we believe every person should be a witness and how to overcome the world and live by faith. How many think those are some good things? Amen. So let's say you're here today and you haven't done this yet. If you are one of our elders and deacons in the church, would you stand up, please? Elders and deacons. Can you give a hand clap for these elders and deacons? Amen. Would you guys stay standing? Rachel, as you're standing, would you come to the keys, please? Thank you. Keep standing, guys. What these elders and deacons represent to this congregation, they do a lot of things, obviously. Uh, but the most important contact for you is to go through this book with you one-on-one. -on -one. Think about that. We've guaranteed you a free coach for your spiritual growth. A coach for your spiritual growth. Think about that. I haven't heard, I've been to a lot of churches, and this is now not to make us better than anybody else, but I'm just saying, I've worked at a lot of churches. It's hard to get an appointment with the pastor. I'm just keeping it real. It's hard. And it's hard to find somebody you can trust because most people have been burned before. But our church has worked hard at finding reliable, qualified people. All of these elders and deacons that are standing here have been in some situations similar to yours. And they have proven to be faithful. For them to be here today, even though they're young, sometimes I hear people go, well, you got a young church, I just don't know if I can do that. And I go, you can be old and dumb if you want. Or you can be young and smart. Where do you want them to be? Do you want them to be 50 years old and say, well, now I'm going to try Jesus. How about they do Jesus in their 20s? You ever heard of David? And, and some of them are police officers. Try that when they pull you over. Well, you're too young, Sonny, to give me a ticket. Okay, ma'am, you're going in the back. Boom. <laughs> well, most of them have been here for more than five years in this church. They've been trained for over two years. And listen to what they're asking you to do. Think about this. They're asking you, if you can't afford one, you can pick it up for free. They're asking you to pick up a book that's going to mean something in your life. And they're saying they will take the time to go over it with you. And they will go over it with you until you got it. There are some people in this church, this is a seven-lesson book. It could be done in seven weeks if you met once a week. That's the soonest it could be done. There are some people that are in this book for a year. Why? Because chapter 3, overcoming the world, is still difficult for them. And yet their leader, some of the ones standing up here today, 
We'll meet with them week after week after week. Let's get through it. Let's believe God. Let's help your marriage. Let's help your kids. They're dedicating their life to making disciples with you. And that is our first stage. And if you can't afford this book, you just take it. And if you want someone else to say, I don't care, we'll give them all away. The only reason why we charge is so that we can reproduce them. Amen. But you get one and you find one of these mentors or leaders and watch what God will do through the process of discipleship. Can I hear an amen? Can we give them a hand clap? As they and the second one is the Spartans. The 201, when you graduate, Sunday morning before church, 12 lessons, taking a week for, two weeks for each lesson, 24 weeks, and most people go through it twice. 48 weeks, people will dedicate to learning what it's like to be a leader. Now, once again, I've had people tell me, well, I'm not called to be a leader. I'm just called to be the church. No, no, you're called to be backslidden then, and you believe the lie of the devil. Stop saying that. Shh. <laughs> silencio, silencio. When you talk, all I hear is this. Wah, 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 wah. That's all I hear. <laughs> this is what Jesus said. Go make disciples. And then every now and then, once again, I got to be a little sassy today, okay? Every now and then people are like, well, he didn't say I had to do your book. And that's right. And that's why there's that church down the road. And this that doesn't use our book. Go there and figure their way out. We made a way by prayer and seeking after God that we know works. A way that tests your heart, that gets into your life. Uh, there's lessons, and by the way, they're all free online. You know, I don't have to pay to have it printed, I mean, to be online. Go to our website. You can get all this online for free anytime. And we send these all over the world, by the way. We're going to the Philippines. We're bringing a lot of these with us. They're already in Pakistan, Nigeria, Nepal, all those kinds of nations. Uh, we've already sent them. You know, there's, there's a section in here about your marriage. There's a section in here about managing your time. How many would like to manage their time better? Uh, there's a section in here about understanding the world religions, understanding your purpose in life, understanding what it means to be holy, understanding those things. That meets on Sunday mornings, and the only way you can get into that is if you go through this first. Everybody say mentor. Thank you. And let's go to the last thing. The Bible says that we should be sent out. We should go. So what does that mean? We're here in a church. We've connected to Jesus. We've been mentored. What do we do Monday through Saturday? Well, Mark 16, 20 says, then the disciples went out. Everybody say went out. And what? Preached everywhere in front of abortion clinics, on their jobs, on the streets, in front of high schools, teenagers. If you've helped Ellie preach in front of a high school, stand up. I don't care if there's just a few of you. I want the teenagers who have preached to get a hand clap. Who's going out evangelizing? Ulysses in the back. Who else? Come on. Give it up for these young men. Stephanie. Amen. You've gone out. Praise God. Give it up for the Ellie. I mean, Lawrence. See, we talk about these kids, all these kids, this, these high schools, this, these young people, in spite of peer pressure, in spite of violence, stand out in front of Shures, stand out in front of uh, whatever school is down. Is that Shures? Steinmetz, thank you, Shures over there. They stand in front of schools and they preach. And they talk about Jesus. Would you do that on your job? They have courage to do it at their school. Well, I'm not asking you to do it with your customer and get fired. Don't be dumb and blame it on me, amen. Well, Pastor wanted me to do it and get fired. No, I didn't. You do not. <laughs> Everybody say, spirit of ignorance, get behind me. 
Man, my dad would work with multi-million dollar clients, and he would pray, pray for the right times to share the gospel. How many believe in wisdom? And he would share it. Maybe one of his clients, he was a financial planner, had just lost their wife, and they're coming to him going, yeah, she passed. Cancer got her. My dad would wait for that key moment. Well, Mike, can I pray for you? I don't know if you know this, but I'm a Christian, and I've been planning your estate, and I know you must be hurting right now, but I believe in a God who heals. Can I pray for you? Do you know that the suicide rate is highest among the elderly? Highest among the elderly, yeah? I'm going to pray for you, Mike. That's how you would do it. You would wait for those key times. Many of you have talked to me about doing that on your job. You know, you've come to me, you say, hey, man, this is my co You might be a co-worker here today. That's awesome. We're so glad you're here because somebody might just said to you on break, hey, I'll take you out to lunch. Let's talk. Right? You're on a lunch break. You wait for those times. But the point is you get sent out and you do what these disciples did. You preach everywhere. Everywhere. Somebody put a picture on Facebook yesterday. I think it was one of the youth. You guys found it. Somebody, you know all those buses, uh, CTA buses, get all steamy windows and all of that. Somebody wrote on the steamy window, Jesus, in each window, J-E-S-U-S. So as CT bus, CTA buses driving by, you just see Jesus. Hey, praise God for that. That didn't hurt nobody. That didn't hurt. Would you rather a teenager graffiti that or put Jesus on a con condensation? Now watch what happened. The disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. How many want to be co-workers with Jesus? The Lord worked with them, and he confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. I don't have enough test, uh, time to testify about all the miracles people have seen with their co-workers. I'll just give one from my wife, and correct me if I'm wrong as I'm telling the story. One of your co-workers had a miscarriage, correct? And then she had got pregnant again. And she was going to have another miscarriage. There was a scare, right? It's like, oh, my goodness, this is going, I'm going through this same thing again. And Nancy said, I'm going to have the church pray for you. And I remember we all got together that day and we prayed. And guess what? She had her baby. Isn't that awesome? Come on, you'd be happy if that was your baby, right? That was just her coworker. That was just her coworker. Just somebody say, man, I'm, can I pray for you? Nine, and I have a whole book on this, by the way, that has the surveys. It's called Churchless by George Barna that actually takes the stats of the unchurched people. Only a small minority, nine, uh, 8 to 10 percent, are turned off by you talking about God. Don't let those 10 percent get you to hold back your testimony. Use wisdom, but share it. And I believe this will impact you when you get sent out. See the Lord. The Lord is with me. See him on your job. See him in the boxing arena. Ever heard of Holyfield? How about George Foreman? Christians, right? They made their testimony known. See the Lord in what you do. Number two, see the harvest. Everywhere you go, just say, God, I want to see the people here the way you do. You remember how we used our imagination before? Jesus talked like that. One time he was with a woman at the well. He had preached to her. She went back into her village, Samaria, to get some of her friends and family. And as they came to Jesus, he said, look, the harvest is ripe. He looked at people coming, and he saw them like grain. And he said, look, the harvest is ripe. Have you ever been to the mall and said that before? Look, the harvest is ripe. Were you at your family reunion or family dinners for Christmas? He said, look, the harvest is ripe. Look at my friends and family. They're needing God. 
Number three, see their needs and meet them as much as you can. And number four, see what you can do. And how do we believe you can do this? After you've connected to the Lord in our, in our services and life groups, after you've been mentored in the 101-201, we believe you can go out and preach the gospel and make new disciples and people will have their lives changed. Amen. Can I say this in closing? Would you put up this, the, this slide for me quickly? As a good church, everybody say a good church. As a good church, I had two different options of how we would build this church. Two different options. Number one, I would just go out like Billy Graham and win souls, or I would make disciples. Now, winning souls is wonderful, and we call that evangelism. How many are thankful for that, right? Excuse me, can I get some water, please? I don't know what happens in winter. I just get choked up. Now, imagine if me and my friend, we were going to start a church together at the same time. We were going to graduate Bible college, and uh, we graduate, rather, and we sit down and we talk. And I go, uh, let's say his name's Bob. And I go, Bob, what's your plan? And Bob says, you know what, I'm going to start a church, and my goal is going to be to win one soul to Jesus a day every day of the year. Every day I'm going to win one soul to Jesus. And I say to him, and I go, okay, Bob, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the whole year and just make one disciple. So you're going to go after the crowds, one a day. I'm going to go for one a year. Spend my life with that person. Get to know them. Get to know their family. Get to know their issues. Help them see the Bible in real everyday language and application and walk through the ups and downs with them. He goes, okay. So we meet after a year. And I go, okay, how many you got, Bob? He goes, man, we got 365. They filled up the church. We can't fit in our building no more. One year, man, we're going. And he goes, how many you got? And I go, I got two. Me and the disciple. And so he goes, what are you going to do next year? Well, next year I'm going to take another disciple and make one, and then he's going to make a new one because that's what we teach him at the end of the discipleship is now you do it. Like that's what Jesus did. And, he, and I go, what are you going to do? He goes, well, I'm going to win a soul every day of the year. So we get back after two years, and I go, how many you got, Bob? Bob says, I've got 730. How many you got, Joe? Four. Me and my original disciple, my new disciple and his disciple. And let's say at this point, my friend gets a little bit cocky, and he goes, man, you know, I'm on the cover of Christianity Today, Charisma. I'm meeting all these new guys. I'm hanging out with Rick Warren. We're buddies now. I don't know if I have time to hang out with you, dude. You only got four people in church. Let's keep it real. That's like a Bible study. That's just called a Bible study. And I'm running big now. My goal is 1,000 next year. I'm going to hit 1,000. I'm going to be mega church status. They're going to know me on CBN and TBN. I'm going to hit the circuit. Be best-selling list, you know, I'm going to do it. All your goodies now. That'll be my new book, All Your Goodies Now. So I go, okay, man, what do you, you want to do? And he goes, well, you know what, let's just meet at our 20-year reunion. Let's just meet. And I go, okay, so what are you going to do now until the 20-year you know, reunion? He goes, well, you know what, I'm just going to win a soul a day, and I'm going to keep growing mega. And I go, well, you know what, I'm just going to keep making a disciple a year. And every time I make a disciple, I'm going to tell them to do it. So he does it, third year, he hits 1,000, fourth year, 1,400, and so forth. Ten years, 3,600. You get down to 18 years, he gets to 6,500. 20 years, he's at 7,300. So he comes to this meeting. Let's say we're going to meet somewhere in our city, Chicago here. Maybe he's living in Denver or whatever. He goes, I'll fly out to meet you. And let's say as he gets off the airport, he's thinking to himself, well, well, you know, you know, Joe only had four when I saw him about 20 years ago. He's probably got, what, a dozen now? Uh, maybe he's got 100. Maybe he did really good this year and he got 100. But let's say he gets off the plane and he starts seeing Chicago for Jesus shirts at the airport and 
he's driving down, maybe a taxi, he's taking him down the road, and he sees some evangelism going on. And he starts thinking to himself, well, man, uh, maybe somebody's borrowing my friend's T-shirts. Maybe something happened there. Who knows? Or, and, and, then, and then he gets closer to the church, and he sees more young people and all this and that, and he's going, well, maybe, maybe they got to 1,000. You know, maybe they did something out there in Chicago with that discipleship thing. Who knows? And, and so we sit down. Let's imagine we sit down, and, and uh, he's bursting at the seams. I mean, he's forgotten all about the people he saw on the streets, and he's bursting. He just can't wait to say, I got 7,300. I just can't wait to tell you. I just can't wait to tell you how many I got. So he just goes, hey, man, how many you got? I got 7,300. And I go, that's great, bro. That's great. And he goes, okay, what do you got? About 1,000? Because I saw some of those people out there. No. No, we have a million, 48,576, Jack. Oh, oh, how, what, what happened? Oh, yeah, because what you thought was small, what you thought was inconsequential, uh, if I can say that word, inconsequential, uh, what you thought didn't matter up here with two, that was what my Lord and Savior did. See, my master of the universe, that guy, my boss, he came to this world making disciples that made disciples and within 300 years brought the Roman Empire to its knees. I followed that man's example, and by the time we hit 10 years, we were at 1,000, and at 16 years, we went close to 130,000, and then God said, we're going to stop believing for 100,000 with 50 churches. We're going to believe for a million now, son. That's the second part of the vision, and we kept multiplying because he said, go into all the world and teach them to obey everything that I've taught you to obey, making disciples of the nations. If you believe it, would you stand? to your feet and give God a hand clap of praise for discipleship changing the world. I think he knew what he was saying. I think Jesus knew what he was talking about. Would you come worship band and altar workers? How many believe he knows what he's doing? How many know he knows the right way to change a city? The underground church in China is exploding. Why? Because of discipleship. Changes come through disciples. We can do it again in this nation. Where do you see yourself in here? Do you know that there's some people in this church right now? Salvador, where are you at? This is his wife. There he is. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're not his wife. <laughs> Jessica is back there somewhere. Salvador remembers too. Me and him. Now watch this. Can I blow your mind for a minute? For our discipleship plan to work, it takes basically two years. A little bit more for most people. For you to graduate and become a deacon, how long did it take for you? Three years. You started with me, right? Amen. How long did it take for you? Four years. Years. Amen. How long did it take for you? So on average, it's about two on the low end. We have right now 28 graduates plus a couple that right now God is dealing with doing special things in their life and a couple that moved to Georgia. Four plus our 28 is 32. We had to relaunch a year and a half ago, but this March we make 10 years in the city. 10 years in the city. 28 graduates plus four, our discipleship takes on average two years. Where should we be at on this chart right here? 
Five years. Are you guys with me? If it takes one year to make a disciple on this church, that's 20 years. But if we're on this vision of two-year discipleship, this means this number would be 40. Are you guys with me? Just times it by two. We're right where we're supposed to be. Think about that. People look at me like I'm a joke. They go, how many you got? Well, I got 32. They look at me like I'm crazy. Well, your place is packed. They do all this. Yeah, we do all this. But you got to understand, sir, I'm counting the disciples who have graduated our program. Jesus said 11 were there. Of course, the Bible says over 500. And Paul, when Paul summarized, he said over 500 were at that time hearing what Jesus had to say after the resurrection. But when it's specified in Matthew 28, who was there? How many were there in the specification? 11. So, yes, you guys are all here. We're believing for you to join with us. But right now, this is a church of roughly 32 disciples. What do you think it's going to look like when we get to 64? We've averaged right now about a church of 80% disciples. So right now we're getting to be to the point where we can have this many people and this amount of disciples because we have over 129 in the program right now. Over 129, amen? But 32 have graduated. I want to believe God that we're going to touch the world through discipleship. Can we believe that before you go? Amen. Thank you for your patience today. Let's just pray. Father, may we all be disciples that make disciples. Uh, wherever we see ourselves in that place today, show us in our hearts so that we can be honest. With uh, an attitude of prayer right now, can we start with the connect? Have you been born again? If you haven't been, would you accept Jesus into your heart right now? I want to ask you to do that. He, he'll forgive you of your sins. That's all you got to do is confess them as Lord. Say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And then confess your sins and give your life to him. That's for you right now. If you haven't done it, you can do it where you're at and then come up and we'll pray for you. Number two, if you want to be mentored, if you haven't started that process of discipleship, you've been kicking the tires of the church, and you've been liking what the disciples here have been doing, but now you want to do it, would you pray right now to ask the Lord to give you strength? Count the cost. The Bible says don't start it without knowing you can finish it. Dedicate to it today. Come up at the end. I'll ask you to do that in a minute, but come up, find a leader, and say, man, would you disciple me, male with male, female with female? And then lastly, those of you who are here or in that process, would you ask the Lord to send you out to preach and make new disciples? We have all these different life groups, all these different ministries. Would you ask the Lord to lead you, guide you, whether it's a single mom's marriage group, working with the youth, the children, the abortion clinics, the evangelists. Would you ask the Lord to use you? preaching everywhere you go. Right now, I'm going to ask the band just to sing softly for 30 seconds as you pray about either connecting, being born again, being mentored, or being sent out. Right now, would you be honest with God? Come on, band, would you sing something softly in the background? Thank you. 30 seconds between you and God right now can change your life. Our great commission, our great commission is our mission. His mission is our great commission. Come on. 15 more seconds. Do you want to make a difference this year for God? Do you want to do something different than you did last year? Connect, mentor, send. Get saved, discipled, and sent out. Reach in, reach up, reach out. Touch one to reach one. Reach one to teach one to reach one five more seconds. If you're surrendering to God's plan for your life, would you do that by now raising your hand and just saying, Lord, it's all about you. In your own words, right now, in your own words, would you say it's all about you? You're going to trust him. 
whether you're just accepting him for the first time, whether or not you're dedicating to discipleship, whether you're going to go out and preach and be radical, whatever it is, come on, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. Use us. Use us for your glory. Stephanie, I'm going to ask that you would pray our closing prayer over God's precious people as a radical young teenager who got saved in high school who's now preaching everywhere you go. Would you pray, Stephanie, that all of this congregation, young and old, male and female, from every age and background, would reach out and touch someone for Jesus. Thank you that you're touching hearts this morning, Lord God, that you're leading us, God, to come closer with you, God, to grow, God, and to be your disciple, God. And I just pray, Lord God, that you'll continue to tug on the hearts of your people, Lord God. I pray that you would change this nation, God, that you would flip it upside down, oh God, with the power of your Holy Spirit within us, Lord God. I ask for the youth to arise in this place, God. I ask for the children to arise in this place, God. I ask for the young and the old, oh God. It doesn't matter, Lord. We look to you, Jesus. You are the hope of our nation, Lord God, and we look to you this morning, God, and we ask, oh God, that you would help us to be your disciples, God, that you would help us to live holy, Lord God. Would you help us, Lord God, to do your will, Jesus? Lord, we dedicate this time to you, God, and we ask for your fire, Lord God, that you would continue to burn within us, oh God, with a passion, God, that can't be contained, Lord God. Would you consume us, God, where everything is about you, God, and not about us, Lord? We lift this time up to you, and we thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our hearts. We bless your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Slap your neighbor high five and say, let's do it. Thank you for your patience today. Have a great week. If you need prayer, would you come? God bless you, uh, Bouse family. Love you guys. I'll meet you in the back a little bit later. Come up if you need prayer for any of those things or anything else. We want to pray for you. Otherwise, have a great week. Come on, let's sing it with enthusiasm, man. Let's worship together. This is the after party. You're not in a hurry. Let's not rush it. If you got to go, of course, God bless you. But if you need prayer, come up or you want to worship. God could put a call on your life for missions. God could do something special in you right now if you give him the opportunity. Come on, God wants.